Alright, what's good y'all? Welcome back to the Cycle 365. I am your host for the 15th episode of the Cycle 365, Simon Villanos. So, Cody, Jesse, and everyone else from the Cycle 365, they are not up here, uh, well, where I'm recording right now as of January 5th, 2020, because I start student teaching tomorrow. And first off, shout out to all my education majors that are about to student teach. Um, starting tomorrow, I guess. <laughs> uh, y'all are going to kill it. Believe in y'all. This is the home stretch. But anyways, they're not here. I am. So I thought, you know, uh, why not make a why not make an episode? It's been like over a month. Had to take a break because, you know, I've had a, had a lot going on this last semester. Needed some time on my own to recoup. But... During that break, got to watch a lot of football. So this podcast will be an all-football podcast. We're going to talk about, well, I guess I'm going to talk about college football, NFL football, and then, uh, I don't know, we'll see. Maybe touch on some draft stuff uh, throughout the podcast. But without further ado, you know, let's let's get right into it. So this last week, we saw the semifinal games in the college football playoffs. The first one. Uh, I, I watched both of them, just for the record. But the first one, it was LSU versus Oklahoma. And man, did this game say a lot about the two teams that, you know, participated in it and where those programs are at at this point. So for those of you who, you know, just missed it, LSU murdered Oklahoma. And it was bad. Joe Burrow basically broke two or three records in the first half of that game for, like, in bowl game history. He threw for the most yards and the most touchdowns. It was insane. Rest in peace to Cody. He's an Oklahoma fan, as most of you know. And, uh, yeah, he hated it. (laughs) But, oh, man. Like I said, there are a lot of takeaways from this game. First off, you know, Joe Burrow's good. If y'all didn't think he was number one draft pick worthy, well, I mean, it's really hard to dispute this. You know, this is a big time game. This wasn't the first time he's done this either. You know, he's had big games, obviously, in the past. He won the Heisman. He's the Heisman winner for a reason. So he's cold. Uh, Unfortunately, he is probably going to go to the Cincinnati Bengals. Probably. But, you know, he's, he's a great player. Probably one of the better quarterback prospects to come out in recent years. I might even say the best one since Andrew Luck. So, you know, we'll we'll see how far uh, he gets this LSU team as they do play in the national championship. Before we talk about the other game, I still want to touch on this one. So, I honestly think that LSU has at least three or four. And I'm, inc- I'm saying four because I kind of include Thaddeus Moss, the tight end that LSU has. But four top-tier as in like draft prospects. So top tier NFL draft prospects. I'm saying like they could go either from rounds one to three. You know, they got, oh man, do they got some weapons out there? Cause don't get me wrong, Joe Burrow is good. He's really good, but he has a lot of weapons and they showed out, especially Justin Jefferson. I legit think that he could go in the first round after after the game he had. I think he deserves it. He's been putting up numbers the whole year. And what's crazy is that I guess he's not even their best like receiver out there because Jamar Chase, he won the Fred Belitkinoff Award, which goes to the best wide receiver in college football. And you know what? He didn't even go off this game. 
So that, man, that says a lot about how stacked this LSU team is. Uh, either that or Joe Burrow is just that good. But I kind of I doubt it. You know, he is that good, don't get me wrong, but his receivers are great too. So when you put good and great together, you you get an awesome team that is looking to, to just destroy teams moving forward, despite how good they are. And this Oklahoma team was good, but I got to say they did look a little lost. Um... I'm going to be real. Jalen Hurts, his draft stock, it went down for me after watching this game. He did not make enough plays. He had maybe one, two touchdowns in this game, and they were both pretty much garbage time touchdowns that really, by this point in the game, didn't matter. Which, you know, is hard to say because the game got out of control pretty early on. But, man, he, it was hard. It was hard to, you know, vouch for him. He just didn't look good. He struggled a lot. Honestly, against uh, credit the LSU defense who did shut him down. They're great. But when you have receivers like, you know, a CD Lamb or even a Charleston Rambo, you, you got to make plays, man. Like, you got to make enough plays to stay into the game, even if your defense isn't playing as well. And I do understand that they had some injuries along the line, uh, their offensive line, that is. And then they had some suspensions as well all around on both sides of the ball. But that's not an excuse. If I'm being honest, I think, you know, Oklahoma has made it in these last couple years, right? And they've had Heisman winners, you know, lead these teams in, in Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. And I legitimately think if either of those quarterbacks were in this game, they would prefer much better than Jalen Hurts. And this is honestly a real shame because I really like Jalen Hurts. I think he's, first off, a great person. He's a very mature he has been acting like a professional for years now, especially handling that whole Tua Tagovailoa uh, situation. And he still succeeded, you know? So I'm giving credit where it's due. And I think he has a lot of potential. He's a solid runner. He has a great arm. But man, gotta clean up those mechanics. You gotta, There's he has a lot he has to work on. Uh, as an NFL franchise, I would not be comfortable taking him in the first round to be honest like i remember i was texting cody during this game and i just said that man i i think his draft stock fell at least by a round or two i could maybe see him going in the second like early on at the earliest in the second but uh at this point i i really see him as a second round to third or fourth round type of guy just because he's not polished enough yet you know, and because of his attitude towards the game of football, right? Obviously, he's a workhorse. He works hard. He has that Mamba mentality. He, he reminds me a lot of uh, Kobe Bryant and that whole work ethic, you know. But because of that hardworking mentality, he's obviously a great leader. He's, he's that dude when he walks into the locker room. Uh, I think, and plus, you know, he has a great arm. He's a great athlete and whatnot. His ceiling, his ceiling is still up there. He has a lot to work on. I think he needs to go to a team that, honestly, they could sit him for a year, at least a year, uh, maybe even more. I think the longer, the better, almost, you know? And I think after that, he'll be a great NFL player. But he is raw. I do think if he was thrown into a situation like, I guess, Tampa Bay, and he had to start right away, I don't know if he'd be 
better than what they have or what any team has and how good he will play and you know there's a lot of factors that will go in there so despite Jalen Hurts being somebody that I genuinely like as a person I do not think that he is that great of a as of right now uh great as great of a player as some of these top tier quarterbacks so yeah that's 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 just my take you know uh it was a shame that Oklahoma Oklahoma had to lose this way <laughs> you know um man they really fought to get in there but I legitimately think that they were the best team to get in I don't think a Utah or Oregon would have done much better but you know it is what it is LSU is moving on great showing for sure I in my opinion I think the draft stock of many of those LSU players went up after this game but you know none of this means anything if they don't win the championship the national championship and so speaking of the national championship let's go to the other game that happened later that day man what a game it was we're talking about Clemson versus Ohio State man Clemson Ohio State what a thriller this game was I had so much fun watching it Oh, that crowd was going crazy, and you know how these two fan bases are. Obviously, Clemson is the defending national champions, so there's that. And I think um, I think most people picked Ohio State to win. There are a lot of uh, rumors, and I, well, I guess not rumors, but like chatter going around leading up to this game that Ohio State might be one of the most talented teams in recent years. You know, uh, probably drawing a lot of comparisons to the last Ohio State team that did win the national championship a couple years ago, and that was super talented. And you know what? I I kind of bought into it too, but I guess leading into the weeks, I I didn't I guess I didn't count out Clemson, and here's why. So Dabo Sweeney, uh, in my opinion, I think he's one of the best college coaches. Like in football today, he, honestly, he might be one of the best football coaches in football today, and that includes NFL. Uh, I'm a big fan of his. I personally, you know, I I love his philosophy and how he treats players and how he just goes about respecting the game and each other and you know his values altogether. He's a good man, but he's also somebody who has that championship pedigree per se. He's won a national championship. He's been or more than one. He's won two national championships in the last couple years. He's been to a to a lot of them too. To be honest, I think he only hasn't been in the national championship one year in the last four or five or so, something crazy like that. So he has that experience, and you know, in my opinion, when it comes to motivating players and getting them to play the right way and staying disciplined, I think he has that edge over. Ohio State's head coach Ryan Day and it really showed in this game it really did because you know you could really take a look at the two quarterbacks of these teams and you know you you could you could you could see who led their team better and that measurement of leadership is reflective of the head coaches of these teams especially when you're a quarterback i i really do believe that because you should be the captain of this team and i'll admit it you know at the beginning of the season you could look back at i want to say it's episode one of the cycle 365 either it's episode one or two something like that but i went me and cody we talked about 
you know, what we think about teams moving in to the college football season, right? And we both expressed a lot of, well, I guess not a lot, but like a solid amount of doubt about Ohio State. We knew it was a talented team. We knew that Justin Fields was a talented player and that Ryan Day wasn't a scrub. He's a good enough coach. We'll say that. He's a good enough coach. But there's still doubts there about inexperience, leadership. Cody doubted Ryan Day and I doubted Justin Fields. And I remember, or well, I guess you could go back and listen to it, but I definitely said that I think Justin Fields is a talented player. He'll have a great statistical season, but when he goes on and plays a good team, they will fall short. And I was kind of right here. I think I actually called it. I, I texted Cody, and I think I actually called it here. I feel like I'm I'm really right here because it, nothing against you know their conference they play in the Big Ten, but I don't think any of those teams are a Clemson or are even like coached as well as a Clemson by a guy like Dabo Sweeney. There's, I think those two programs, or sorry, I think the Clemson program and Dabo Sweeney, they're they're one of a kind. Let's just say that. And so when they did face this challenge, they um honestly kind of choked. I was really disappointed in what I saw. I I was rooting for Clemson because I did, I guess I didn't really have to, but I mentally picked them to win this game. I felt like they would. And, you know, man, it was really hard to deny that Ohio State didn't leave a lot of opportunities on the field. You know, I'm sure there are some messed up calls and whatnot. I'll give them that. But, you know, there, there are some calls that were messed up, you know, that went for them. You know, that catch, that amazing catch. If you haven't seen this yet, look it up because, man, does this receiver get up here. But it was like in the first quarter, they were driving Justin Fields. He throws the ball and his receiver just goes up and he gets it. But... The defender pushes him out of bounds and it's kind of obvious because you're not down by contact if your hand hits the ground and the receiver's hand hit the ground while the rest of his body you know were, was out of bounds so uh, i don't know but they called it a catch you know and then they, they eventually scored off of uh that play so i felt like that was a little messed up and sure there are some other things that didn't go the way of ohio states but here's here's how i see it both teams had a chance to win the game at the end. Ohio State was driving, you know, and uh, sorry, for those of you who don't know, Clemson, they eventually won this game. They won it 29-23 to in a thriller, but here's here's how it went down. So it was just after Clemson, they, they drove, it was a fantastic drive, and they scored a touchdown. Ohio State, it was 29-23. to They had plenty of time to drive down and score. They had timeouts, you know, like I said, they had time. And, you know, they get there. They're driving, they're driving, they're driving. And it ultimately comes down to a miscommunication. The receiver, for some reason, breaks off his route, in my opinion, really early. I don't think there's any reason for him to do it. But he breaks off his route and tries to do his own thing. And Justin Fields throws to where the receiver should be. And he ends up throwing an interception to end the game. And, you know, if I'm just being honest, Ohio State had a chance to win that game in that moment. But instead, Justin Fields, he threw an interception, you know. 
I'm not going to blame that one on him, but Justin Fields, he did have two interceptions in this game. The other interception happened earlier on in the third quarter. Those are points I felt like he could have had, and that wasn't that wasn't on the receiver. That was on Justin Fields. He was he was just caught staring down his receiver, and a linebacker playing safety literally came in and picked him off. And I felt like they could have scored off of that too. So there are opportunities for Ohio State to win, and so I'm not gonna blame the refs. For this, I'm gonna blame Ryan Day and Justin Fields. And here, I'm actually I'm gonna go on a quick rant because, you know, I I'm gonna be a coach. I am a coach actually. I've coached uh, middle schoolers, high schoolers. Do I do personal training and whatnot? And in addition, I I am gonna be a PE teacher. So in its way, it's kind of coaching, but like more more as a teacher. And I'm not gonna get into that. That's a whole different thing. But anyways, um. As a coach, you have to be a leader. I, you have to be a leader more in the sense than, like, oh, I have more experience than my players, so that makes me an automatic leader. Like, nah. I think as a coach, you got to be someone who can lead people, you know, and motivate people. I think that's a big part of being not only a coach but like a good coach, you know. And I know that I was lucky to be under a ton of great head coaches who are great leaders there are guys who i was around guys who didn't run away from the challenges of a game or a sport and sometimes those challenges include refs not being reliable and making bad calls but i learned quickly you know even if the game is an emotional game and football is an emotional game don't get me wrong especially when you're playing it and you care about it even if it's an emotional game, you can't let bad calls get to your head. Because, you know, one, oh, what was that? Or another, like, oh, that's a terrible call, ref. Or trying to argue your case with the ref. That's not going to make them change the call. When have you ever seen that work? And, you know, even if you're not doing that, it, you could still let it affect you by you showing it on the sideline. In my opinion, Ryan Day's body language on the sideline was absolutely terrible after the first quarter and they're up by like 16 or 17 at one point and even going into halftime they're winning so you tell me why is his body language so terrible when you're winning and i'll, I'll tell you why it, it was because he was frustrated because of these calls and whatnot but as a good coach and a good player you can't let that get to your head you got to do better. You got to find a way to overcome. You can't be dwelling on the past. Like, what's that going to do for you? You're not going to win. And, you know, for Ryan Day, it felt like every time a bad call went his way, he, he seemed like he was throwing a fit. He was acting like a baby. He was like, oh, what was that? That's ter-. Like, I could already imagine how he sounded in my head. Bruh, bruh even in the halftime interview, he sounded defeated while he was winning. So... What is that? That's terrible leadership, in my opinion. Sure, maybe it was his first, like, I guess, huge bowl game. And, like, it was probably the biggest game of his career leading to that point. But, man, you got to show some self-control, man. At least I'll make it look like that it's actually making you mad or fr it's frustrating you. Because that rubs off on the players. Justin Fields, he looked like he was getting frustrated as the game goes on. And... You know, like I said, with Justin Fields, 
I legitimately felt like he was going to mess up at the end of the season and he was going to put up stats, but it wasn't going to be enough. This obviously it, it happened, you know, but I think there was definitely probably a point in the season where this destiny could have been avoided completely and they should have won, you know, um, like I said, those two interceptions that shouldn't have happened. He obviously didn't bounce back enough because somehow his receiver, who should be an experienced player, I'm pretty sure he's like at least a junior or sophomore, um, he's an upperclassman, he ran the wrong route. So I feel like that's a reflection of Ryan Day's leadership and Justin Fields' leadership. Because if they were calm, and it really didn't look like they were, then I feel like they would have executed right. Because if I'm being honest, this Ohio State team was way more talented than this Clemson team. I'm just being real. This defense is way better too. You know, I felt like like some of these players disappeared as Ryan Day's attitude got worse and his body language got worse. Like, how about this? You tell me, where was Chase Young? Hmm? He, he seemed like to disappear. Sure, he was getting pressure on Trevor Lawrence. But I didn't see him anywhere when Trevor Lawrence took off for a 65-75 yard rushing touchdown. And he's a pocket passer. So how does that even happen? So where's Chase Young? Where was Jeff Okuda? Actually, Jeff Okuda, he made some big plays. He is definitely the number one corner in this, you know, in this uh, next upcoming draft. But, you know, where, where was him on that run, though? Where was this defense as the as Clemson scored like 16 straight or something insane like that? 13 straight. Like, what, what was going on? You know, I think, oh man, it was so frustrating to watch. Because you could see the talent there. They were getting pressure on Trevor Lawrence. But it was a matter of, you know, Trevor Lawrence honestly just wanting it more. And this Clemson team, team this Clemson team just wanting it more. You know, um... I don't know how they're going to fare, fare against LSU. I'm not counting them out, though. I think it'll probably be a relatively close game to start. Um, I'm not going to make predictions right now, though. We'll, we'll leave that to later. But they played with way more heart than this Ohio State team. And this Ohio State team, in my opinion, is way more talented than them. <sighs> Alright. <laughs> That's my rant. But, yeah, I... I just, I don't know. Ryan Day, he obviously lacks leadership. I don't know how you go into a half looking so defeated when you're winning. And even then, like, it took Clemson, a, you know, still a relatively long time to take over the game. And even then, you weren't ever down by more than two scores. Like, Ohio State was always down at most by maybe a touchdown. That's it. And you're telling me Ohio State, as talented as they are, can't come back and win this game at any point in the fourth or third quarter? You know, like I said, leadership reflects on, uh, on, on those who are following. Leadership reflects on those who are following. And obviously, Ryan Day's leadership skills aren't there yet. And as a result, Justin Fields' leadership skills aren't there yet. By the way, with Justin Fields' uh in this game, at least, I was not impressed. I'll give credit to the Clemson defense and uh, their defensive coordinator, Brent Venables. I thought he did an excellent job game planning and, 
you know really doing you could see that he did the research and he was he was working he was grinding and so were these uh clemson defensive players and honestly they, they kind of shut down justin fields a little bit you know he did throw two interceptions and he never threw two interceptions at any time this year so there's that so yeah i don't know i think justin fields he he could have done a lot better he is more talented Sure, he was kind of dealing with a knee injury, I guess. But, like, oh, man. I was disappointed. I felt like Justin Fields should have done a lot better. There are times where they're literally in the red zone and they wouldn't score a touchdown. They had the opportunity to go up by 28 points because they went to the red zone four times. Instead, they settled for field goals three of those four times and scored once. And Clemson wasn't even on the board yet by this point. So, what does that say about Justin Fields? I feel like, like I said, this Ohio State team's a lot more talented. Their offensive linemen, you know, head-to-head-wise, they match up really well with Clemson's defensive linemen, who are very young, by the way. And, yeah, I don't know. I felt like he choked. J.K. Dobbins had a great game, though. I think he's a legit first-round pick as well. It was, I'd say it's very disappointing for Ohio State to lose this game. I kind of wanted to see Joe Burrow go against his old team. So there is that. But yeah, now that's not going to happen because Ryan Day can't lead. I, I'm just saying it. Like, don't look like a baby on the sideline when you're winning a game. That's terrible. Even if you're not, even if you're not winning it, you shouldn't be looking like that at all. I think that's terrible leadership. And yeah, um, they lost. Clemson's in. It's a Tiger Bowl, literally. Clemson Tigers versus the LSU Tigers. Oh, man. It's going to be such a great game. But here, before I, uh, I guess, move away from this topic, I want to talk a little bit more about the players involved in this game, at least on the Clemson side. So, Justin Ross and T. Higgins. Those are Clemson's two premier wide receivers. And I don't think either of them were on the field at the same time for more than a quarter. And it kind of shows because they both, I think they were both dealing with injuries for sure. Justin, or sorry, T. Higgins went out earlier in the first uh, quarter or first half. And he didn't come back until the second half. I think there's definitely a drive or two where Justin Ross went out. And you now looking at numbers wise, it kind of shows. Combined, they had 77 yards and 10 catches, the two, which yeah, it's, it says a lot about this Ohio State defense, I'd say, but oh my gosh, I'm still mad about Ohio State, but you know, it's, yeah, it was, it was a little disappointing, you know, but I'll give them a pass. So I really thought Clemson was going to rely on their passing game on these two going into this game which is why i gave them a chance part of the reason why because trevor lawrence in my opinion he's more of a pocket passer but surprisingly trevor lawrence he would run the ball a lot i mentioned that really long run earlier and i'm pretty sure it adds to trevor lawrence's stats in a really good way but uh t-law aka sunshine trevor lawrence he would end the game with 16 rushes for 107 yards and a touchdown most of those came on that really long touchdown run, but he did have some clutch uh, conversions. In addition, Trevor Lawrence played a pretty clean game, didn't have any turnovers, unlike 
Justin Fields. I think he did have two, yes, he had two touchdown passes along with 260 passing yards going with that. Both of them to Travis Etienne, who in my opinion is another guy who should be of uh, first round pick consideration. I would definitely love if my Pittsburgh Steelers picked him up. Oh man, what a player. He could run it, he could catch it. He, he showed out this game, he really did. And yeah, I think the combination of Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne, they, oh, they, they beat this Ohio State team, pretty much just those two. And then the Clemson defense led by Brent Venables. Uh, they, they played great. You know, so I'm giving credit where it's due. Travis Etienne, he's a talented player, great guy. Trevor Lawrence, man, what a tough kid. Cause they're, and I'll give it to Justin Fields too. Uh, these quarterbacks were taking some really bad hits. Like, they were, they were vicious. And in my opinion, I felt like Trevor Lawrence definitely took a lot more brutal hits than Justin Fields because he's not as mobile and his offensive line isn't as good. At least, you know, matched up with the Ohio State defensive line and defense. But Trevor Lawrence showed me a lot. He showed me, we kind of already knew this, but he showed me that he's... An awesome leader, somebody that wouldn't give up. He reflects the leadership that Dabo Sweeney shows, obvi obviously, like I said. And he's he shows that he could lead a team no matter what, no matter the circumstances, and he could grind through and you know whatever hard work or whatever how much work you put into a product, you'll get the results you deserve. And I think he believes that. And this Clemson team believes that. So moving forward, playing a tough LSU team, I won't be surprised if they do make it competitive. Uh, I do kind of give LSU the edge as of now because they've blown out a lot of good teams. But, you know, we'll, we'll have to see. But yeah, Trevor Lawrence, man. He's going to be a great pick for whoever picks him up in this next year's... Well, I guess not next year's draft, but in two years. Two years? In 2021, in the 2021 draft, whoever gets Trevor Lawrence, I think they're getting the sure thing. Man, he's he's just a great player. He has the ability, he has the leadership, and this game, I mean, I know he won a national championship, but I feel like this game will go down as one of his most iconic games ever in college football. And, you know, this Clemson team, they are doubted. Trevor Lawrence, he was doubted. You know, he didn't have the greatest stats going in, but nope. They showed out, they played well, they made big plays when it mattered, and you know, now they're in the national championship. <sighs> Alright, so I'm going to take a little bit of a break, uh, you know, catch my breath, drink some water, and then we're going to go over some of the other college football games that happened, uh, the New Year Bowls, I should say. Specifically, we're going to go over Oregon versus Wisconsin, and then Alabama versus Michigan. These games will probably be more like me doing a little draft analysis on the players that played on in these games, but you know, whatever. All right, coming up next. All right, welcome back to the Cycle Three Six Five. This is episode fifteen. This segment is being recorded on January 5th, 2020. Oh, man. There are some really good college football games that happened this last week. I'll be honest. There are some good ones. But, all right. So, 
this segment, we're I guess it's going to be more focused on the players who played in this game, right? Because these teams obviously aren't in the college football playoffs. They probably could have been at one point, but they're not. So let's talk Oregon, Wisconsin, the Rose Bowl. So Oregon would win a thriller, 28 to 27. Wasn't the cleanest game, I'd say, going forward. Um, Justin Herbert, he's projected to be a first-round pick. He didn't do that great, in my opinion. He Don't get me wrong, though. He was a big part of why... Uh, he was a big part of why this Oregon team eventually won the Rose Bowl. But uh, passing-wise, eh, not that great. Only threw for 138 yards. Didn't even throw a touchdown. Had a pick. He was 14 for 20. So, there's that. But on the bright side... Did have three touchdowns to add to that, along with around 30-ish yards on 10 carries, which is good. You know, he, so I think we all kind of know this, or at least all as in like college football fans, but Justin Herbert, he's a talented guy. I think he has the arm to be in the NFL. He has the athletic ability, as in he's very mobile. He has all that to be in the NFL. I think, you know, as far as a person and his background, his background is, you know, he shows that he could be a mature guy and could go to the NFL. You know, he hasn't been in any trouble. No reports come up. Doesn't He's not a drama queen or king. But I still have my doubts about him, even after this Rose Bowl win, which was a great game to watch. <sighs> Man, I just, I don't, I don't know. I feel like sometimes he's just on and off. You know, I know he's had a great college career. He's put up numbers. He's been very consistent. You know, he's been very consistent. But I was kind of hoping going into the season that he would take a, he would take the leap that Joe Burrow of LSU would, would take. You know, I thought that he'd get better and he didn't look better. I don't want to say he looked worse, but he looks exactly the same. And, man, that's, does that rub me kind of the wrong way? Like, maybe that's his cap, but I really don't think that's his cap because he has a great arm. He has, like I said, he has great athleticism, all that. But, man, I don't know. I'm not going to say this is a disappointing season for Oregon because they won the Rose Bowl. That's, I mean, if you're going to go to any like bowl game that's the bowl game to win if you're not in the college football playoffs and you know that's a great memory honestly if i was a college football player i would probably be happier winning the rose bowl and not making the playoffs than than being like oklahoma and getting blown out in my last like college football game ever and this is justin herbert's last football game ever and man i don't know I really don't think he's worthy of a first-round pick. I think his potential, in the eyes of a lot of NFL scouts and experts, will put him over Jalen Hurts, and his potential will launch him into the first round. But, see, that's where we gotta be careful. Because I really do felt like the last person where this was, like, where the potential pretty much outweighed the talent, and, you know, 
Like he he's a he was a good college player, but he wasn't quite as polished for the NFL. I feel like the last guy to be like that was Mitch Trubisky, and I see a lot of Mitch Trubisky in Justin Herbert. He's not unlike Trubisky though. He's not a one-year wonder, but. I do feel like if he was to go to the NFL, he would have a very similar career to what, to what uh, Mitch Trubisky is having right now. And, you know, we'll talk about Mitchell Trubisky moving forward in this podcast, but that's that's something to talk about later. Anyways, with Justin Herbert, I just don't know. Personally, I don't think he's a first-round pick. I would definitely be more comfortable taking him in the second or third round. So if I was uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers or... Maybe the New Orleans Saints, who, by the way, lost today, or even the Patriots. I would definitely consider taking him if he fell to the organization in the second or third round. I think the first round might be a little bit too much of a risk, especially with, man, the amount of talent that's in this draft. Don't get me wrong, there's talent in every draft. But in this draft, I feel like it is loaded with a lot of talent. Even, like, especially from the wide receiver standpoint, there are a lot of receivers who are first-round talents who will have to go in the second or third because, like, it's a stacked draft. And they, you know, they they believe in their stats and whatnot, so they're going to go. So they're just going to... It's just one of those things where they'll fall. But this is a stacked draft for sure. I think I really can't see (laughs) myself taking a chance on Justin Herbert if you know, a T. Higgins was there, or even if a Justin Jefferson or a Jamar Chase was there. Like, I'd probably rather take those those guys, those prospects, than uh, Justin Herbert. That's just me. I think the Utah State quarterback, Jordan Love, he's somebody who, at this point right now, I feel like is very similar to Justin Herbert. The only difference is that one played for a bigger school in Oregon, the other one played for Utah State. But skill-wise, they're pretty much the same. So... I don't know. I'd probably stay away from Justin Herbert. I just don't believe in the guy. Uh, I'll have to look over his film. I kind of, I try not to rely on ESPN and whatnot, you know, for, uh, you know, for my opinions, because I, I want to have my own opinion. You know, what's the point if I'm just going to mimic a Stephen A. Smith or Skip Bayless or whoever, or a Colin Coward? Like, there's, there's no point in that. So I think I'll have to look over it again and see why exactly I feel this way. I just feel like, you know, in terms of growing as a football player, he's kind of plateaued. And I don't know why, because the physical abilities are there. So it pretty much means mentally, like, like I don't know. Did you did he put in the mental work to, to get better, to make the right reads and whatnot? I don't know, because his stats didn't look that much better than these last couple years and they haven't looked that much better in these last couple years so that's a huge concern when it comes to justin herbert i'm not a big believer in him i'm happy for him you know he's from eugene oregon so he's a hometown kid and it was great to see him win that game and he was crying and whatnot like and that's how college football should be it's emotional you know a lot of these kids find their second homes in college and winning a bowl game in their last game ever that's that's a fantastic send-off. I don't think you could ask for a better, honestly, just life memory or sports memory than that. Especially it being a game like the Rose Bowl, you know. Ah, oh, man, the Rose Bowl. I'd love to go watch a game there someday. But yeah, yeah, so they got the win, but I'm still not sold on Justin Herbert. Wisconsin, uh, on the other hand, I felt like they definitely could have won this game. I thought it was a pretty solid matchup, actually, you know. 
both defenses played pretty solid leading up to the end of that game, in my opinion. Uh, was disappointed that Jonathan Taylor... Ta ah, sorry. I was disappointed that Jonathan Taylor, the, running, the star running back of Wisconsin and arguably the best running back in the country, didn't get more touches. I know he got like 21 touches and like 93 yards, added on another two receptions and 43 yards, but... I think you gotta feed the guy if you got a star like that, especially one of the best running backs in football, and you know this is probably his last year playing for you. Like, I'd probably lean on him a little bit more. You know, uh, it was in a one-point loss like this. I think it's easy. You know, hindsight's twenty-twenty, but like I was saying, it's easy to look back and say that he should have got the ball more, but. There are definitely times in the last couple of drives that Wisconsin had that I was like, oh, come on, just just feed feed the monster, feed the monster. When you have a talented guy like that, I think you need to do that. And um, obviously they didn't because they lost the game. At least they didn't do it enough. So that's that. But oh, I think everyone kind of knows this, but Jonathan Taylor is the best back in this next draft class. No doubt about it. And this was a solid Oregon defense he went on. He went up against they weren't a bunch of scrubs and he still did you know pretty all right he put up some numbers like i said ah man i just i kind of wish that he won that game though because it would have been the perfect send-off you know because it is his last college football game but you know it is what it is but yeah i think my main takeaways from this game jonathan taylor he's legit justin herbert uh a lot more question marks around him i think I think experts, they're going to keep him in the first round of their mock drafts moving forward. But personally, I'm not really comfortable having him there. I know me and Jesse did a mock draft a couple weeks ago. Uh, check out that podcast. But And we had Justin Herbert going in the first round, I think, to Tennessee, I want to say. Which is <laughs> ironic now, because Tennessee's moving on in the playoffs. But I don't know if I would have him going there. I might have him going in. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm like I said, I'm not comfortable having him there. I have to do more research, but yeah, those are my two takeaways from that game for sure. All right, so moving on to the next one. There are plenty of really good games. Uh, Minnesota did beat Auburn. I thought that was a great game. You know, Auburn's uh, young quarterback. I mean, it showed that he was a young quarterback because he didn't make as many plays as he should have. But yeah, Minnesota ended up winning. That was an interesting thing to see. It'll be interesting seeing how Minnesota, I guess, how they progress moving forward into this next season. I like I like their uh, their coach, PJ Fleck. I think he's a great leader. I think he's a great coach, too. And he really wants to build this Minnesota program into a blue blood program. And he did say to his players, to become a blue blood program, you got to beat one, like Auburn. And it was a good win. It was a good one all around, and yeah, it's really it's really good to see that happen. All right, so anyways, that wasn't the game I was going to talk about. I was going to talk about the, the Citrus Bowl, Michigan versus Alabama. Oh, man. The number of times I have heard Michigan fans chant for Alabama. It's a lot. It really is a lot. They've wanted Alabama for a while, and they finally got them. Albeit they don't have 
you know, the Tua Tagovailoa led Alabama because, for those of you who don't know, he was hurt, suffered a season-ending hip injury. But they still got Alabama, other than Tua, and I guess their middle linebacker, Dylan Moses, who wasn't there for a lot of the season anyways. They had a fully healthy Alabama squad. And look, I'll just be real here. This game was much closer than uh, than the scoreboard indicated. The final score was 35-16, to 16, Bama. But moving in to the fourth quarter, it was 21-16. to 16. Alabama scored 14 straight points. And man, <laughs> man, did they blow up. Did Alabama like go off in that fourth quarter? Scored 14 unanswered points. That's fantastic. I have a lot to say about the players in this game. Not as much about the coaching. I think going in, Jim Harbaugh knew that he didn't have as much talent. And so did Nick Saban. So that was definitely something that was there. And you could see it. But there's definitely still talent, you know. A team that is not as talented as another isn't always guaranteed to lose. Obviously, that was the case with Clemson LSU. But in this case, it was different. The more talented team won. And it shows. So, let me uh, let me start with Michigan. Shea Patterson. In my opinion, he is undraftable. <laughs> I mean, maybe you could take him as a practice squad player. And he could, like, you know, simulate a Lamar Jackson or a Russell Wilson. Potentially. Not e- I don't even know anymore. He doesn't look as athletic as he did a couple years ago because he did have that one knee injury. But he is not good. Man, did he play bad. He was 17 for 37, so under 50% uh, completions. He had 233 passing yards, a touchdown, and two interceptions. And, man, a lot of people are saying that you know, oh, whoa, Patterson, he doesn't have receivers. His team isn't as talented. But I'll be honest, um, Nico Collins and Donovan Peoples-Jones are both receivers who are great. They're talented. You know, I think that those two receivers are suffering the same thing that Odo Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry suffered when those two were at LSU and they had to play with Zach Medenberg. Uh, yeah, that's just what I think. I think those two are both talented, but I don't think Shea Patterson's that good of a quarterback. It's not accurate. And on top of that, he doesn't make the great decisions. So the decisions he does make, it's it's based off, you know, either of luck or his own physical ability when he is on target. And that's not good. <laughs> you know, even when Shea Patterson played bad, though, Michigan had a chance to win this game, which is crazy. So imagine if they had a Joe Burrow or even a Mac Jones, by the way, who looked pretty solid for Alabama. Just Shea Patterson doesn't look good. He is going to enter the draft. I really would not want him. He just looks raw. He doesn't look like a great prospect outside of him having physical ability, to be honest. So that's what I think of that. I think Peoples-Jones and Nico Collins, those two wide receivers for Michigan people, should uh, keep an eye on them. I don't know if they're entering the draft or if they might have another year left or whatnot, but I think these two players are very talented. 
when they get away from Shea Patterson in Michigan, they will have a successful, you know, or a more successful football career, I'd say. And teams that get these two might be getting steals. They might be the steal of the of either the, this next year or the following year's draft. So just keep an eye on those two. Nico Collins and Donovan Peoples-Jones of the University of Michigan. All right, but enough of Michigan. Let's talk about Alabama. So, like I said, Alabama was very talented. Honestly, I have to say, I was uh, pretty impressed with Mac Jones. So, like I said, today is January 5th. So, we don't know yet if Tua Tagovailoa will be coming back to the Crimson Tide. But him and Nick Saban are having a press conference tomorrow, January 6th, where he'll announce um, his intent. And, you know, we'll talk about that decision and whatnot in another podcast moving forward, I'm sure. Because uh, by the time this podcast comes out, it'll probably be a couple days after. So there's there's no point of talking about, about that right now. But if Tua does leave, I think the Crimson Tide is in really good hands If with Mac Jones. He showed out. He played against... I mean, Michigan's not a scrub team. You know, this Michigan team is... They, they always have some talent there, even if they're not as talented as some teams. And Mac Jones, man, played great. 16 for 25, 327 passing yards, three touchdowns. I'll take it. Albeit he does have great weapons all around him. And let's talk about those weapons. Jerry Judy, he had, man, he went off. Six receptions, 240 receiving yards, and then a receiving touchdown as well to go with that. Man, I will have to say it, you know. Jerry Judy is probably the best wide receiver in this draft. I'll just say it. C.D. Lamb, I know I said a couple, I guess months ago now, that he was my number one receiver, but I think after this performance, Jerry Judy definitely takes it. He, man, he's explosive. He reminds me so much of Odell Beckham, but like taller. You know what I mean? Like he's... He's an explosive player. He could take a slant to the house type of explosive player. He's someone to look out for, for sure. And, man, did he elevate this Alabama offense. As well as Jerry Judy, you know, we have uh, other guys who contributed to this win. Devontae Smith, 56 receiving yards, a touchdown as well. I think he might come back to the Tide, and that will be great. That will be a, oh, man, this receiving core is so talented. This, uh, if Devontae Smith comes back, I think this Alabama team next year, they'll they'll be looking pretty good talent-wise. We'll just have to see if Tua comes back or not, which may, he may, it might happen, you know. Uh, we'll talk about that later, though, like I said another time. But another guy who I felt like really caught my eye this game was Najee Harris. The running back for Alabama had 136 rushing yards and two touchdowns. Stats look good, but on paper, man, he's such a physical player. He's great, and he's he's pretty quick, too. You know, he could catch out the backfield as well. I think, I feel like I keep saying this, but I think he's a first-round talent, honestly. If he goes this year, I, I really do feel like if someone was to draft him in the first round, it really wouldn't be all that bad. He might have a better year than Josh Jacobs. Another Alabama running back who went this last year. I think he might actually have a similar rookie season, if not better. Because I, I believe in this kid. If y'all didn't see that South Carolina highlight 
uh, that highlight that Najee Harris had against South Carolina. Oh, it's insane. He literally pulls out every single football move you could think of, whether it was a juke or a stiff arm or a hurdle. It was crazy. But, man, did he show off. He looks really good. I have him right up there. I think, ooh, I would actually really like if the Pittsburgh Steelers picked up Najee Harris. Not that I uh, hate James Conner or anything, but if you can't stay healthy, then it's kind of hard for you to play well. And I think a team like the Pittsburgh Steelers or a contender could really use a guy like Najee Harris. You know, he's, he's someone who, even though he plays for Alabama, he has a big, great history of producing great running backs. I think that Najee Harris, um, he's overlooked. <laughs> Honestly, he's, he's just overlooked. And he'll be a steal to whoever he goes to. Because I don't think he's going to be valued as high as he should. Unless he has a fantastic combine. In that case, then, you know, he might pull DK Metcalf and, and rise up. But yeah. Anyways, that's uh, those are my opinions, I guess, I have on some of the college football games that happen this next week. Man, was it a great season. I'm really looking forward to this national championship. Hopefully, we could get a podcast done before then and get our reactions of the game, either of the game or before the game, uh, moving forward. At least, we'll get reactions before the game. Yeah, I'll guarantee that. But anyways, coming up next, we have some NFL talk. Uh, Yeah, we just have some NFL talk. Just some thoughts. You know, the first round ended today. Like I said, today is January 5th. And there's some fantastic games. Two games went into overtime this past weekend. So yeah, coming up next. Alright y'all, welcome back to the cycle 365. We're gonna, well I guess I am gonna talk about NFL talk today. So... Today was the last, I guess, couple games of the first round of the NFL playoffs. We'll talk about that before we review, well, I guess before I, I keep saying we, ah, force of habit, but before I review some of uh, the teams and, you know, some of the storylines going around now that the NFL regular season is over. So let's review these playoff games first. So we'll go in reverse order. I watched all of them, or okay, I watched three of the four, watched most of them, didn't get to catch the Patriots game, but I saw the Eagles versus Seahawks game, and oh, man, it was, I want, oof, it was probably one of the less exciting games of this first round, it was probably the least exciting game of the first round, I'll admit that, I knew it was all over when Carson Wentz went out with a concussion, I don't think it was dirty. Jadavion Clowney kind of just landed on him weird, and yeah, it, it just happens, you know. And so that's a shame. I knew it was over when Carson Wentz went out. There's not a lot to say. I picked Seattle to win this game because I felt like they should have won this game, or they should win this game, and you know what? They did. It's sad because I think this Eagles team is well coached, but yeah, man, they've went through so many injuries. At this point, it was like, yeah, like, how far could this team actually go? You know, if they were, you know, going at it at full power and they had all their players, but yeah, you know, I'd probably believe in this team a little bit more, but they weren't. You know, when you have guys like Greg Ward Jr. and Dallas Goddard being your premier cast, or, sorry, premier pass catchers, that's not a good thing. <laughs> 
It's really not. So, yeah. I, once Carson once went down, I knew it was over. I guess uh, one uh, something of worthy news to react to. DK Metcalf broke a ton of records as a rookie wide receiver. He went off for like, oh, what was it? It was like 100... DK Metcalf, he would go off for 160 yards, seven receptions, and a receiving touchdown. He had a great game. And you know, he's always had this potential. He's had flashes throughout the season. He had a he's having a solid rookie year. And moving forward, I think I don't know if the Seattle team could win in Wisconsin. You know, I don't know if they could win in Green Bay, beat the Packers and do all that. I think this Seattle team is lacking just a little bit too because of injuries kind of like the Eagles obviously it wasn't as bad because they won the game albeit it was only 17 to 9 but they still won I just I don't know they have talent don't get me wrong but I think they're missing a little bit too much over there they don't have Chris Carson they don't have Rashad Petty they did bring back Marshawn Lynch which as of now you know it's it's not the worst investment, you know. You get a guy in there who's a leader, who, you know, who could galvanize a team and really get them going. You know what I mean? Like they, he could motivate them. That's a big thing. He's a big morale booster for sure, and just a good guy to have in a locker room, especially Seattle's locker room. You know, so I think they'll compete with the Packers next week, but we'll see. Like I said, this last playoff game, Seahawks Eagles. Wasn't super eventful, eventful, but it is what it is. All right, but the game before that, we had the Saints and Vikings. Vikings went to New Orleans and they won in overtime. They won twenty six twenty, I believe. And yeah, I was shocked. <laughs> Did not see that one coming. I, I mean, as the game went on, I was kind of expecting New Orleans to like turn it up you know and like really really give it to him right really really just start pounding on the vikings because i feel like this is a team that can be exposed and yeah they didn't do that i think there are plenty of opportunities they left on the board which did include a missed field goal you know but yeah i just i don't know i thought the saints didn't come out playing like their best selves they played good you know they played i thought this was a good game and they played good it wasn't overly terrible like i don't think there are a lot of glaring mistakes but they just didn't play good enough which is surprising because they are in new orleans and having that home field advantage is like it's huge you know it's absolutely huge so yeah i don't know they didn't play but on the other side i think kirk cousins and the vikings they really stepped it up I, man, okay, I gotta choose my words carefully. I don't know if I'm a believer in Kirk Cousins quite yet, but this game pushed me in that direction. He, so for those of you who didn't see the game, he had a really good pass and completion to Adam Thielen in overtime. It was like a 40 plus yard pass right on the money. It was right outside of the goal line he honestly couldn't have thrown a better pass and then at the same time adam thielen probably couldn't have caught it better or well i mean he caught it so it's fine but he made an excellent pass there and then he would make an excellent fade route though 
uh, on third down after after that play. And it was a game winner to Kyle Rudolph. It was a perfect pass as well there. And I like that. <laughs> you know, he kind of, I, I don't know if y'all remember this, but a couple years ago when he beat the Cowboys, he was caught on camera yelling, he was caught on camera yelling, you like that, you like that, and you know, uh, he was caught again, you know, he was addressing the team after this win, and he said, I have three words for y'all, you like that, and you know what, I love that, I love when pe when players play with a passion and all that, and you know, with Kirk Cousins, like, these last, I guess, couple primetime games, he has not played great. <laughs> you know, he kind of looks like he has some sort of performance anxiety or he kind of just chokes or, you know, he just pulls a Romo or I don't know, but he hasn't looked great. But I could say that he looked pretty good, you know, in this playoff win in New Orleans, which is a really hard place to play in. You know, he showed, he showed a, a lot of leadership, not just physically by making big plays, but there's definitely a point on the sideline where Stefan Diggs seemed to like low-key be having a kind of a meltdown because he wasn't getting looks and Kirk Cousins went over to him and he calmed him down and I think that was around the third or fourth quarter and they would go on and win the game and it was it was fantastic so this Vikings team is gonna move on and play the 49ers Ooh man that's gonna be a good game I already know it I don't think it's gonna be a blowout I Weirdly enough, I kind of feel like Jimmy Garoppolo and Kirk Cousins are very similar, like, <laughs> I guess, like, players. Like, their talent is pretty similar, I'd say. I don't know if I could trust either of them. I probably could trust... I feel like I could trust Jimmy Garoppolo a little bit better because he's had some, you know, big games against some good teams recently. But you never know. I think it'll be a great game. This is a fantastic matchup right here. You know, Vikings versus 49ers. I really don't know who could win. I could see the Vikings beating the 49ers uh, and upsetting them. Because I did pick the Saints midseason. I picked the Saints to go to the Super Bowl. I said Ravens and Saints. And now that's not going to happen. So anything could happen now. We'll see. Alright. So uh, <clears throat> let's keep it going. So let's see, we got, all right, so Tennessee versus the New England Patriots. I didn't get to see this game. I was preoccupied, to be honest. I was watching another game. <laughs> and man, I I kind of called it. I, I mean, in my Pick'em League, I picked the Tennessee Titans to beat the Patriots. I uh, felt like it'd be a little bit like cleaner it wouldn't have been as close of a game i kind of picked tennessee to win by a little bit more but you know a win's a win all right so let's let's talk about the patriots man i kind of sad saying this but tom brady might be done you know i oh man i've hated this dude forever but especially in these in the last year or two i've grown to appreciate you know his greatness and his legacy and what he's left behind because he has put up numbers he has the rings to prove it he's he's a champion and these last couple weeks not it wasn't like this game he just suddenly became bad no like he's been looking pretty bad like this for a while now ever since that ravens game early on 
I I was doubting Tom Brady's ability to be a real to be a good starter in the NFL, if I'm being honest, because he didn't look good in that game. He was making bad decisions, his arm looks noticeably weaker, and it showed in this playoff game against Tennessee. I don't know. I mean, this Tennessee defense is good, I guess, but like you gotta do a little bit better than that. You didn't you barely scored any points, like I don't think he scored what the score was like 20 to 14 or 26 to 20 something like that i don't know but obviously he didn't score enough and granted look he he doesn't have the help there his offensive line is a mess he maybe has one good offensive lineman in isaiah win their tackle but other than that i don't know what they're doing <laughs> because they're not protecting tom brady so yeah i don't know what they're doing so their offensive line isn't good running backs I mean, you can't, you can have all the talent in the world at running back, but if you don't have a good line, then you're not going to have a great running game. That's, that's just simple football math, to be honest. And receiving wise, I mean, they had Josh Gordon, they had Antonio Brown at some, at points throughout the season and they cut both. You know, they, I know they're missing Gronk, obviously, but I mean, if we're being realistic, was he even gonna make it this far into the season, anyways? You know, like, eh. So you're relying on people like Philip Dorsett, Julian Edelman, as great, you know, of a couple years he's had. Honestly, he's never really been that great of a receiver. He's been a product of this great offensive scheme, if I'm being real. I I don't know. He doesn't have that much help over there, and. This Patriots defense were not bad either. You know, they they played relatively well against Tennessee. Like, they held Ryan Tannehill under 100 yards, I'm pretty sure, passing yards. The only thing is that Derrick Henry was a monster and went off for like 160 rushing yards and who knows how many touchdowns. Like, Derrick Henry carried this Titans offense. And I don't know, from a defense like i'd rather have a running back be the only team or be the only like you know person on the offense killing us than the entire offense so it you know it puts you in positions to win the game and for those of you who don't know it definitely came down to tom brady throwing that pick six which wasn't a good decision because he was well covered and yeah it, that's how the that's what the game came down to so it wasn't a blowout i don't know I don't know where this Patriots team is going for it. I don't know if Tom Brady is going to stay with the Patriots. I don't think he's going to retire. He said that over and over again. I think he has... I want to say he has at least one more season left. At least one. Probably two or three more, though. Probably two or three more. I have no idea where he'd go, though. Because he is going to be an unrestricted free agent, I'm pretty sure, by the end of the season. Because they can't franchise tag him or transition tag him is that the other one yeah i think so but yeah i think he's gonna be a free agent i don't think he's gonna retire but i think that he will leave the new england patriots i just don't think at this point the patriots are talented enough to go to where tom brady is wanting to go and yeah those are facts <laughs> i just i just don't believe that no i really don't uh but see well, that being said, I don't know where he would go and play quarterback, especially with this next quarterback class being so talented. You know, like, even the players who are raw, 
I feel would be better options than Tom Brady. You know, I'm not. I've always said this for a long time. I feel like Tom Brady's a system quarterback, and I don't know if he'd have the same success somewhere else. And if I'm being real, I don't know if he would have the same success somewhere else. Like, I can't even think of a team that I could definitively say will do better with Tom Brady than with, you know, who they have now. Like, I don't know if the Vikings would do that much better with Tom Brady than Kirk Cousins, if I'm being real. I don't know if the Saints will do better with do better with Tom Brady than Drew Brees. I don't know if the Cowboys would do better with Tom Brady than even Dak Prescott. And or even if it was reversed, I don't know if the Titans would be doing better with Tom Brady than Ryan Tannehill. Look, the arm just isn't there. Decision making, that's a whole other thing. He hasn't been making the greatest decisions this this whole season, if I'm being real. But the arm talent or I guess the arm power it's just not there. <laughs> it's not, you know. And I have respect for Tom, you know, for for Brady, not Tom. For Brady, I have respect for Brady. You know, he's a great player. He's had a great career. I don't think he'll quit right now, not yet. But it's it's getting close to it. Uh, it definitely is. <sighs> uh, with this Tennessee team, though, let's let's flip the script. Let's let's flip the script with this Tennessee team. They get to play the Baltimore Ravens next week. And what's special about this game is that it will actually feature five Heisman winners. <laughs> Not all of them are playing. <clears throat> and by all of them, I'm talking about Marcus Mariota and RG3. They're not going to be playing. But you still have Derrick Henry, Mark Ingram, uh, Lamar Jackson, obviously. I don't know if this Tennessee team could beat the Ravens. The Ravens, to me, feel a lot like... A lot like what this LSU team feels, you know, obviously LSU is a college team, but like what LSU football is to college, the Ravens are to the NFL, I'd say. They're good. I don't know if this Tennessee defense could hold up against, you know, this rushing attack with Lamar and Mark Ingram and, you know, all, all those boys on that Ravens offense. I'm just being real. I don't know if they can hold up, but... I think Tennessee, they are in a good spot with Tannehill. I'm assuming they're going to stick with him, which is fine. You know, I think he's a he's a fine player. He's a good player. They have a lot of talent over there between Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown. And, oh, man, real quick, Derrick Henry, what a guy. What a player. <laughs> he's such a talent. He's definitely turned it on these last couple weeks, just, just being a beast. Now, he doesn't really look like that fast of a player when you see his long runs, but just those strides and the power he runs with, it's it's awesome to watch, if I'm being honest. It's smash-mouth football. It's great. It really is. But yeah, I don't know how far this Tennessee team could go, but this is a good win for them. I think they'll build on that. Um, yeah, that's about, that's about it with that. All right, and so the last playoff game, or well, I guess the first, playoff game we have houston versus buffalo and this is a fantastic game went into overtime and it was a close one i don't i don't think any team really had any glaring like weaknesses as you know they probably shouldn't because they are playoff teams but you know te texans came out with the win it was a good win deshaun watson it pretty much came down to him willing this team to come back from like a 16 point deficit which ironically was how many points Trevor Lawrence was down. So yeah, these clubs and quarterbacks are legit. But 
Anyways, Deshaun Watson played his heart out, played great. They're going to be moving forward playing the Kansas City Chiefs. I think that'll be a great matchup. I could see, I would probably believe more in the Texans beating the Chiefs than, you know, Tennessee being beating the Ravens. But, you know, we'll see. I think Patrick Mahomes is healthy. So it might not even be that close. But yeah, it was a good game. I honestly don't have a lot to say about it. I think it was pretty it was a pretty close game. Josh Allen, he's uh he's he showed me something. I'll say that. I've kind of been a Josh Allen hater for the longest time. I really don't like him. Uh and I don't like that he was drafted, you know, in front of Lamar, you know, just because like like what? Because he could throw a little bit better? Yeah. I don't, even that, I don't know. So, good for Josh Allen. I don't think there's any shame in losing to this Texans team. They were in Houston, by the way. So, it's um, that's always a tough thing to play a road playoff game, you know. But I think the Bills, they have a guy in Josh Allen. I want to see more progression, though. I don't want to see that Justin Herbert progression of staying the same. I want to see that Joe Burrow progression okay maybe not that because he took a really big leap but i want to see josh allen get better like at least be a 240 yard a game type of guy no turnovers i think that's that's pretty that's some that's reasonable you know to that's something reasonable to want out of a first round guy but yeah we'll see i think this Bills team they'll be very good moving forward we'll have to see who they add to the roster i'd kind of like to see them add maybe a receiver or more defensive players maybe some offensive linemen but i like where this bills team is going they lost a hard-fought playoff game there's no shame in that they didn't make any big mistakes it was just one of those things you know like the texans defense played well the bills defense played well both teams played pretty well so not a lot to say about that all right, so that'll wrap this up. This is uh, this is getting pretty long. Thanks for rocking with me. Uh, if you got this far, you know, this next year, it's going to be super exciting. Uh, I'm pretty sure most of the members of the cycle are actually graduating. So in May, we're all going to walk, and it's, uh, man, it's going to be pretty sad. So we'll have to see. But I still i am believing in great things for this podcast. You know, I'm really looking forward to the future and not just the future you know in general which but i am though but the future of this podcast so this is simon villanos signing off it's next round of-